With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, everyone, to the Talk of Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime host of Southern Fried Sports Radio and as well analyst at BamaOnline.com. Talking Tide podcast available to you at our web host at Podbean.com. Also, all sorts of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. You can always get our latest podcasts there. And we preview the Alabama Ole Miss game. In this edition, Travis, the Crimson Tide comes into this one 2-0. and Ole Miss hosting one and one set for for the moment as we roll tape here Travis 5 p.m. kickoff Saturday on ESPN but thanks to Hurricane Delta there's at least some measure of question whether or not that game will go off on Saturday at all yeah we've already seen Missouri and LSU moved from Baton Rouge to Columbia Missouri and uh, questions here midweek as to exactly what to expect with Alabama and Ole Miss, Nick Saban in his comments post-practice Wednesday evening, sounded pretty resolute, I guess I would say, Chase, in terms of trying to get this game in on Saturday as scheduled. Perhaps there could be even a time change on game day itself. So fluid the situation is, as we like to say in this business all too often. Very fluid right now, I would say. You got to think Friday is the option nobody wants. That's the worst case. Uh, and I guess Sunday, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'd say quite Sunday. As bad. And, Sunday. Know, the last thing you want is Friday, though. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I think I'd rather play Friday than play Sunday knowing Georgia's coming in here on the next yeah. Saturday. You know? Yeah. I, the bottom line is there isn't an ideal scenario because, as we talked about even before the podcast, Coaches, and certainly Nick Saban is one of these guys, uh, creatures of habit, man. They don't like their routine disturbed at all. You can tell them they're going to play Saturday at 7 a.m. or 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and they're not going to like that maybe as much. But if, if if they're formatted in a way and they're budgeted and scheduled in a way in terms of time and practice formats and things like that, that they're supposed to play on a certain day, that's the day they want to play on, you know? So uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to, to see maybe what's sort of forced here. You've got a bye date that matches up as well on November 7th for these two teams, but you still got to factor in COVID-19 and the potential for some flexibility that could be needed there. So, uh, man, just another wrinkle, right? and everything else we we've seen these teams and sports in general have to deal with. If the game goes off as scheduled, expect heavy rains, expect as well, uh, wind gusts of up to 40 miles an hour. At least that's what the weathermen are talking about. 
uh, here midweek. Things can change on a dime, as we know, particularly with a, a hurricane in the Gulf. But wet ball practice week, Travis, Tuesday and Wednesday, the Crimson Tide dunking those balls in those water buckets for the for the snap exchanges and shotgun snaps and whatnot. Yeah, now we start getting into sort of some combine talk that you're very familiar with. Hand sizes for these quarterbacks, Chase. What are we looking at in terms of hand sizes for Mac Jones and maybe Matt Corral? That's where we that's where we start getting into with the with with the wet ball scenario. And you know, I think fans and even media they they still sort of relate wet conditions as being adversarial to passing games when in reality. I think Steve Spurrier's the first coach I ever heard really go in depth on this. And he always said he was fine with rain or even slick conditions because the receivers knew where they were going. DBs don't. What he didn't like was wind. He was always convinced that wind was a bigger obstacle for passing attacks than wet conditions. Now, again, you, you, you do have to consider, uh, you know, can some of these guys grip the football? you know, and some of those things. But uh, I guess a couple of different ways to look at it as far as who that might benefit the most if it plays out that way on uh, on Saturday. Nick Saban going for a 21-0 and record against his former assistants, Travis. Good to 20-0 and just last week against Jimbo. Uh, looking to notch another one against Lane Kiffin on Saturday, make him 21-0. and uh, other than Kirby Smart, is there is do you see much of a threat out there to 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 crack the uh, the win column on the other side for the assistants? Well, other than Kirby, who is really threatened? Yeah, Nick in that run. You know, I mean, when you think about it, um, yeah, I would say that in this sort of disciple tour for 2020, these four straight games against uh, his former assistants, I, I would still think Kirby would be at the top of that list, although. I'm very interested. I know we'll get into this a little bit later in the podcast. I, I want to see what Tennessee's capable of this week in Athens, because if that ends up being a legitimate, uh, legitimately competitive game, you know, then you start thinking a little more about October the 24th and, and Alabama's trip up to Knoxville. But right now, I don't know how you could look at anyone else other than Kirby. The Vegas man, Travis, has Alabama by 24 in this one. That's a big number on the road, although, of course, in 2020 on the road just pretty much means uh, a trip to a neutral site. Uh, Over under 70 points, a big number there. But, hey, look, when when you're going against Ole Miss, even if you drop the hammer on them, you know they're going to be – getting a lot of snaps off, airing the ball out, squeezing as many points as they can uh, out of every drive all the way through the fourth quarter. You don't see Lane Kiffin pulling starters more than likely if he's behind late in the game. So, you know, given that, I, I, I think I think is a pretty dangerous number either way, really. Yeah, I think it could be. Well, you look at the game last year here in Tuscaloosa, what would you have, 90 points? Was that a 59-31 game? Yeah. Something like that. So, I mean, that was with Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez running that offense for Ole Miss. And the Rebels put 31 up here in Tuscaloosa. So, with what we've seen from Ole Miss offensively through two games, uh, it has been a rebirth, I guess you could say, in some ways for Matt Corral, the arrival of Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator there in Oxford. He has put up huge numbers in each of the first two games. 
Uh, you've got legitimate weapons around him and Jonathan Mingo and uh, Elijah Moore. And in the backfield, you look at uh, Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor, and John Rice Plumley, your primary quarterback from a year ago, along with Matt Corral, seeing him in the backfield lined up, seeing him in the slot, doing some different things with the the uh, also backup quarterback to Matt Corral. Yeah, no doubt. I think the Ole Miss combination of Corral to Elijah Moore is probably the most dynamic quarterback-receiver combo Alabama has seen to date. Uh, and really Moore, I think, is leading the entire NCAA in yards per game at about 159. Nick Saban had some complimentary comments for sure on him earlier in the week. I think that was at his Monday news conference. But Corral to Moore might show you – at least a little bit more about this secondary, Travis, than we've seen to this point. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, Mingo on the outside, he's another one of these Ole Miss receivers, 6'2"-ish, 210, big physical receiver, uh, had a big game last week, and it was actually Mingo more so against Kentucky last week. Moore was still very effective, but more in the opener against Florida. 10 catches, 227 yards, uh, huge game against the Gators uh, in Oxford in that one. And then, you know, you have to account for the backs. You have to account for, you know, Lane's going to throw so many different formations and personnel groupings at you. Uh, you know, that's going to happen. Um, so some areas of this Alabama defense that have been a little more suspect in the first two games, primarily between the linebacker and safety levels, you know, that's where your concern comes in and getting you matched up in some things that, that may be detrimental uh, to your ability to slow down old Miss Kenny Yaboa, the tight end's going to be a part of that as well. So a lot of the same sort of elements that have been in play for opposing offenses with an emphasis on Texas A&M last week uh, with Anaya Smith and his versatility between the backfield and being able to play receiver. Um, the tight ends last week, obviously, were very much in play. A lot of that stuff's going to be there this week too. Yeah, no doubt about it. And one of the things that, you kind of learn about Lane Kiffin over time. Uh, we saw it with Marquise Lee when he was at Southern Cal. We saw it at Alabama with Amari Cooper and then Calvin Ridley. If he's got a guy on the outside that he likes and trusts, he's going to feed that guy a ton of touches, double-digit touches if possible. Sometimes if that, if that means throwing it short to him, throwing him a few hitches, whatever the case may be, uh, he's going to get the ball in that guy's hands. Is Elijah Moore – do you think Kiffin sees more as that guy who he needs to, to feed touches consciously to, or, or do you think he doesn't have that guy right now? No, I think that's, that's who he, he looks at from that perspective, because you go back and you really watch these last two games with Ole Miss and similar to Amari Cooper in 2014. Remember how Lane would line up Amari, even at tight end, you know, on occasion, he would do some different things, especially very early in the game because it's new stuff. And, and uh, he hit Florida in 2014 uh, on the deep ball out of a different type of uh, for formation with Cooper uh, to start that game, if you recall, here in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, you know on Saturday early especially you're going to get some stuff you haven't seen from Ole Miss in the first two games while they're still on the script. And so Moore is that kind of guy you're going to see him line up in the backfield on occasion. You're going to see him in the slot. You're going to see him motioned a lot. Um, you know, he's a jet sweep type of 
uh, option as well that that we know Lane likes to dial up. So, you know, Moore is 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 that kind of guy. But again, you know, th- they've got some other weapons. I think he's made good use of Plumley to this point. Uh, Yaboa is someone you certainly have to account for. Kind of a poor man's Kyle Pitts, um, and, and then Mingo and, and what he's able to do in in sort of the intermediate to vertical game. Personnel-wise, on the defensive side of the ball for Alabama, Travis, Christian Barmere, we kind of got a hint, I think, from Nick Saban earlier this week that he may step into a little bit larger role against Ole Miss than we saw against Texas A&M. Does that mean we see some of Barmore at end on early downs, or, or what, what, do you, what do you see in his role if, indeed, he ends up playing more snaps? It could be. You know, I don't think Alabama's been – particularly bad on early downs. I think it just, I think Justin Aboigby's been fine in there with LeBron Ray and, and DJ Dale. But yeah, if you get into some second and third and longs, I think that's where Barmore starts to show up more. Uh, saw him a lot in the dime rabbits last week. That was an interesting look that we talked about with Barmore on the nose. And then you still kept four linebackers on the field as your, your other rabbits in that look from a pass rush perspective what makes it tough this week is lane's going to throw a ton of tempo at you you know and and he he can go with three wides and a tight end and just go with it you know that that's what he wants to do and he can formation you a lot of different ways out of 11 personnel which is a back a tight end and three wide receivers so you know for alabama a team that is pretty dependent upon situational guys right now you know substituting and, and kind of getting in uh some different looks might be a, a little bit of an issue and uh maybe getting your your primary pass rush people on the field and as much as anything giving guys up front you know some some snaps off uh so they don't wear themselves out over the course of the game Speaking of doing different things with formations, we'll go ahead and flip over and talk Alabama offense versus Ole Miss defense now. What about Jalen Waddell in the backfield like we saw a little bit of against Texas A&M? Kind of unfair if that guy manages to slip out of the backfield one-on-one with a linebacker, right? You know, I think a lot of that, and we just talked about it with Elijah Moore and a guy like John Rice Plumley. it's almost, from what I've seen early in this season, it's what – getting your number one receiver in the slot in recent years has become more of, and it's nothing new. I mean, you can go back to some offenses in the nineties where you had some versatile players. Miami used to do this a lot with Dennis Erickson back in the day. You know, if they had a guy that was kind of a waddle type uh, or Elijah Moore type, they would line him up everywhere. Might put him in the backfield, might put him in the slot out wide, but it does seem like those kind of guys, um, you're you're seeing them get in the backfield a little bit more. And and what it does, I mean, obviously, you know, you get in some situations. I saw this with Elijah Moore against Kentucky on tape. Ole Miss did it with Elijah Moore, and they end up getting him on a on a linebacker, a middle linebacker, because formationally, that's how it sort of breaks down in terms of defensive responsibilities. Right. Middle linebackers got the back, you know, in a situation. And so, yeah, I, I could see more of that with Jalen Waddell, you know, and, and, and trying to, to do that with him and, and even a couple other guys on this offense. 
been a real struggle through two weeks for that Ole Miss defense. Travis, they're giving up 600 yards a game through two games. That's worse than the entire FBS. Of course, there's only 74 teams playing FBS football at the moment, I think. And uh, so the, the number's kind of down. Uh, but nevertheless, 600 yards. And, and believe it or not, more of the, a little bit more of that is running than throwing. You know, you see 600 yards given up a game, you think, ah, oh, it's that's probably 400 in the air and 200 on ground. Uh-uh. Ole Miss has given up 302 on the ground through two weeks and 298 through the air. It's It's been a rough go. Yeah, 408 on the ground just last week to Kentucky. I mean, you had three guys rush for 100 yards for Kentucky in that game last week, including the quarterback, Terry Wilson. So Kentucky won't have to account for the quarterback, obviously, as much this week in the run game. But – that doesn't explain Kentucky still having two other backs rush for over 100. And I don't even think these two backs, Asim Rose and Chris Rodriguez, were necessarily Kentucky's top two uh, options because uh, Cavassier Smoke uh, is a guy that, that Kentucky really likes to go to as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about between the Florida and Kentucky games – Ole Miss is yet to hold an opposing offense to under 6.7 yards per carry in a game. You know, somehow Kentucky rushed for 408 yards last week and six rushing touchdowns and lost at home, good bread. Unreal. That, that, that's hard to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Kentucky kind of blew that one. Ole Miss pulling it off for Lane Kiffin's first win as an SEC head coach. Does Alabama, given that Ole Miss has been so bad against the run and given the weather conditions, and I know you, you know, we talked about this a little earlier, how, how it's, it can be an advantage in the passing game that the, that the DBs don't know where the routes are going and the, and the receivers do. I, I see that. Uh, but sometimes the coaches like the heavier dog on the wet track. And, and you know, maybe Nigel Harris against a soft Ole Miss run defense in the rain could end up pounding out 20-plus carries in this game. It could be a pistol outing for the Alabama offense. Not so much the offset back and maybe relying on the outside zone as much. Uh, it could be. could be a, a day where you get into more of a pistol formation with a back right behind Mac Jones and you just run good old power O and some of the more direct type stuff and uh, you're better. You know, this is an Ole Miss defensive front, not very big. Uh, up front by today's standards, and we certainly know size isn't a problem for the Alabama offensive line. And look, this is an Alabama offensive line right now with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder. You know, for all the things we can talk about in terms of the explosive plays in the passing game, and you know, it just hasn't been that much of an emphasis yet. You know, yards per carry tells a lot of the story, and Alabama wasn't very good certainly last week in that regard against a very solid Texas A&M front seven, but. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Hearing from Lane and Dickerson this week, uh, you know, he used the word disappointing to describe the Alabama run game to this point. So uh, they got a little something to prove, too. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to thank a couple sponsors, and then we'll look around the SEC. Uh, but we want to thank first North River Dental Associates, a former Alabama football player, Dr. Jack Smalley and his professional staff over there at North River Dental can do any kind of dental work you might need. Porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, 
laser dentistry. They've got the teeth whitening services over there, dentures, dental implants, you name it. Uh, they can do it all over at North River Dental. Now, on a routine cleaning, you're going to wait uh, hardly no time at all. You're going to be in and out the door typically in less than an hour. I've been out of there uh, less than 45 minutes sometimes. So they really get you uh, in and out, but they do a quality job in a short amount of time. The reason you're in and out is because they get you in the chair when you're supposed to be in the chair and you don't end up sitting in a waiting room for an hour like you can uh, at some healthcare service places. And so uh, check them out, northriverdentist.com. You can make that online appointment or give them a call at 752-3506. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House, also in that Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Outstanding options for you, whether it's lunch, whether it's dinner. They've got the full bar set up with great craft brews. They can take care of any of your dining needs right there at Southern Ale House. Fuller Goldsmith, Chef Fuller Goldsmith, does an outstanding job there. You've probably seen Fuller on Chop Jr. He won the championship there of Chop Jr. on the Food Network a little while back. Well, Fuller about once a week comes up with his weekly special, and it grabs me every time when I see it on social media. I think this week it's a New York strip that he's doing, uh, the only way that that Fuller can do it. Uh, Great, great. I got to get by there and try that, no doubt about it. But let's say you're looking for a lunch option. You can have the burgers. You can do the chicken sandwiches. You can do the plate lunches if you want to keep it a little lighter in the middle of the day. A nice selection of great fresh salads for you there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar down there in downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Frank and the rest of the crew there, just outstanding. Been a partnership for a few years now and couldn't be any more happy to be a part of that group. Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza Monday through Thursday night you're going to find the different pizza specials. Now, like Monday night, you can get the pepperonis for six bucks. Can't beat that deal. Half off wine on Monday nights. Tuesday nights, you're going to get that Thai chicken pizza, the personal fave. I love them all, but the personal favorite is the Thai chicken pizza. Tuesday nights, those go for seven bucks starting at six o'clock. You can't beat it. Monday through Thursday, you're going to have the nightly specials. Uh, great weekend place as well. If you're in town for a game or you're just wanting to watch college football or NFL football or both, they can take care of you there at Heat Pizza Bar. I've said it before, TV management, very critical, especially this time of year. You're not going to walk into Heat Pizza Bar on a college football Saturday or an NFL Sunday and have Nickelodeon on three of the screens. I can promise you that. Frank and the crew are going to take care of you. Uh, in that aspect as well. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer. Uh, looking around the SEC before we close things out here on this edition of Talking Tide. Travis, we'll go ahead and start with Tennessee at Georgia, a game you alluded to a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, it's got a chance to be an exciting game for sure. I think Maybe what I'm most excited to see in this game, unit versus unit, is going to see how Tennessee's offensive line uh, can handle that Georgia defensive front 
to me, that's going to go a long way into determining how this thing goes for the Vols. That's a good Tennessee offensive line. Yeah, it's got Cade Mays as a part of it now, the former Georgia offensive lineman who is now at Tennessee and eligible and good to go and a very good player at the guard position, can play some tackle and just really bolsters and fortifies that Tennessee offensive line even more. And, you know, these are a couple of teams that are sort of retro saving teams, the way I like to put it. When I look at Tennessee, I see maybe more of a 2008 version of Alabama, maybe still a year or so away under Jeremy Pruitt. When I look at Georgia, I still see, say, 2009 Alabama, a little bit further ahead. And I would say the emphasis on that being more with the defensive side, you know, Jeremy is going to have that side of the ball well coached. He just needs a few more Henry Toa Toas, who is an outstanding inside linebacker, as we know, for the Tennessee Vols. So I'm with you. Um, That should be a fun game to watch from a line of scrimmage perspective and as much as we'll talk about Tennessee's O-line against Georgia's defensive line how competitive this game really ends up being will probably have more to do with the other lines of scrimmage on the other sides of the ball for both of these teams for sure I I think and Stetson Bennett at quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs uh, kind of steadied the ship for him in week two after a kind of a, a head-scratching performance from uh, the quarterbacks week one against Arkansas, uh, Jared Guantano at Tennessee. So that, that'll be an interesting matchup as well. Never have been a huge Guantano fan, uh, but, you know, he, he's he, – They may he have had, him chained he, he in. They may he have flashes him. here and there. I think they may have him reined in, and I'll say that, and he'll go rogue this week and throw four picks right. in Athens. But the first couple of games – it looks like maybe he gets it. Maybe he's accepted more of that role of game manager, which you know Jeremy Pruitt and Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator, had been harping on for the last couple of years. I don't know. He'll probably he'll probably you know fool me, but uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a couple of quarterbacks that uh, I, I'm not sure at halftime of the Alabama Tennessee game a year ago, uh, or at some point in that game, well, I guess it was the second half, when Guarantano called his own number on the goal line and it ended up going 100 yards the other way with Trayvon Diggs, I honestly couldn't have thought at that point that we would still see Jared Guarantano as the starting quarterback for Tennessee at this point, but there he is. Yeah, yeah, a little face mask grasp after that one, as I recall. <laughs> caught, uh, caught Jeremy Pruitt a little bit of flack. I got Georgia into the day. You picking Georgia here? Yeah, I'm going to go Georgia. Uh, I think it has a chance to be closer than the 15, I think it is, that the dogs are favored by 13, 15, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Georgia gets it done at home. Florida at Texas A&M. Your thoughts there, Travis? Florida out, off to a nice start for sure over in the SEC East. Texas A&M obviously coming off uh, a blowout loss to the Crimson Tide. I kind of, I kind of think the Aggies are going to get it done on a bounce back at home. I think it's going to be a game similar to um, to Alabama, Ole Miss in terms of potential entertainment value. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, I think both teams are going to score. Uh, I've I've always said, you know, be wary of home dogs 
and that's what the Aggies are right here is six and a half point home underdogs. This you, you talk about a game Jimbo Fisher needs, man. I mean, we already know what the record is against top five opponents. I think it's one and eight or zero oh and eight now uh, against top five opponents in his third year now there at A and M. So, uh, not that there's really any pressure on Jimbo Fisher because when you've got seventy five million guaranteed, uh, you, you can sort of go about your business stress free. Uh, but as far as the the perceived direction of this program and you know, especially where Kellen Mond is concerned, uh, an opportunity for validation. Uh, I w- I'd say that's very much in play here Saturday. I'll take the Aggies. Who you got there? I'm going to go with the Gators, the great Debias. You know, I think that um, I think I, I think that you know. And look, I think I think A and M's better on defense than Florida, but I just think I just trust Kyle Trask a little more right now. You know, I didn't think that Kellen Mond played poorly uh, here last week. He didn't. But, I, you know, I, I just trust that it's crazy as it sounds because of what Jimbo's being paid as an offensive guy out there. I, I, I trust Dan Mullen and the Florida offense more than I trust, uh, trust A&M's. Last game we'll touch on in the SEC, Travis, Arkansas coming off a win. They're going to be on the road at Auburn, which, of course, is coming off a blowout loss to Georgia. Can Arkansas throw a scare into this Auburn team? The way Auburn looked last week, uh, you would think it shouldn't be doubted, I don't think. But uh, Auburn could be a a big bounce back at home, just like I see for Texas A&M bouncing at home after a, a bad loss. Auburn could do the same. The Chad Morris Bowl down on the Plains this weekend. Chad Morris, of course, after a cameo as the head coach of the Hogs, now working under his good friend, his good friend, Gus Malzahn. We'll see how long that goes. Um, No, I I think Auburn gets it done. It's another one of those games that's kind of bizarre because a couple weeks ago you, you couldn't have convinced me that up front, Arkansas might have the edge in this game, but after the first two weeks, I'm thinking that could very well be the case because I don't know if Auburn can run the ball on, you know, Sanford or West Alabama right now, uh, let alone a legit SEC caliber defense. So, you know, I I think it has a chance to be a competitive game. It could be a very ugly game uh, on, on, on where both offenses are concerned, but look, you know, Arkansas does have an experienced quarterback in Felipe Franks, and that's going to help. And uh, But ultimately, uh, something else I worry about with Arkansas, too, is how are they going to handle this win over Mississippi State? I mean, all week long, I've seen Sam Pittman on various television shows, and, it, you know, it, 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 I worry about the, the ability to jack it back up two weeks in a row, especially going on the road two weeks in a row. I think we both like Auburn there. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Join us for the Sunday Nighter as we reconvene to recap Alabama's game against Ole Miss. We'll talk to you then here on Talking Tide.